Hey y'all, this is Whitney and welcome back to an episode of Spastic Chatter. If you didn't know, Spastic Chatter is a platform meant to feature those in the cerebral palsy community. I get together weekly with individuals with CP like myself to have a kind of uncensored chat about what it's like to live with this type of disability. And for this episode, I have another guest from the UK, um, his hmm. name is Charlie, and uh, he he has his own YouTube channel, and he's into fitness and a bunch of other things, so we're going to learn more about his life today, and I will let Charlie take it over with his introduction. So... Yeah, so as Whitney just said, I am um, Charlie Randall. I run a social media platform called NQPC. We do a range of different stuff. So we uh, produce blogs for accessible places in and around the UK. We also produce um, YouTube videos on how to do, how I do certain things to give people within the disabled community ideas of how they can work around different issues they may come across. I also discuss... um, topic similarly to what Whitney does and um, I do it in a very uncensored way same as Whitney so I my name stands for not quite politically correct so I sort of tackle the more difficult conversations that people are more nervous around I've um, done multiple videos on quite strong topics one of my most popular videos people might know me for is there's a a video called how do disabled people have sex so that was my most viewed video on uh, YouTube Uh, did really well um, and I discussed sort of the it was more more of a clickbait video I do give away the the sort of brief in brief ins and outs of it mind the pun but um, it's more the stupid question so a lot of people a lot of able-bodied people come to me with um, that I have to answer sort of on a day-to-day basis but yeah that's sort of me in a nutshell as long with being a disabled weightlifter slash bodybuilder so there's also some fitness content mixed in there as well well I, did, I had no I had no idea that's what your that's what your uh, Instagram handle on your YouTube stood for so I'm learning I'm learning something, <laughs> I'm learning something new right now I, I like it I like it <laughs> Uh, so, um, what, what got you, you kind of already answered, but, like, what got you into, like, wanting to start a YouTube channel and become more, uh, vocal that you, like, go through, like, certain experiences? Um, it's, uh, actually, it all sort of stemmed from my fitness career, so, um, I originally started out, um, for those of you that watch, that might follow some um, fitness content, I originally started out watching people like Christian Guzman, who I know is from Texas as well. Um, I also started out watching sort of Rob Lipset. They're all sort of lifestyle fitness YouTubers and realised that um, no one was really doing it from a disabled perspective. And then from there, I it sort of spiralled more into the lifestyle stuff and more diving into... CP, the problems I face on a daily basis, how to get around them, and the funny topics I approach on a lot of my videos. So it all sort of stems from fitness, which stems all the way back from when I had a major surgery out in St. Louis, Missouri, um, back in 2012. 
Um, they essentially opened up my spine, severed the nerves in my spine that were sending the wrong signals to my brain. Uh, the doctors then said to me, although this surgery will benefit you, if you don't put in the work, you'll end up worse than you started out. So then from that, um, I came back to the UK after intensive physio and um, they said, uh, obviously, with their advice in mind, I was still only 13 at the time. So I was a typical teenager, wanted to play PlayStation, wanted to play video games, just chill, be with friends, didn't really want to do any work. Then that year we had the London 2012 Olympics. Uh, I was lucky enough to attend and see some of the swimming events. Because of that, I then a light bulb went off and I realized, hold on, I'd love to be in this position. So then I spent sort of four or five years trying to train myself up, actually got to uh, regional level and almost national level um, and had tryouts for the um, uh, GB Paralympic team. But due to injuries and other problems, it just never really panned out. So then I sort of looked at what my options were and ended up more going to bodybuilding, fitness, um, and then obviously that's when I stumbled across the fitness channels and it all sort of spiralled in. So that was sort of a, a long-winded reason why I ended up in social media. Um, I also have a keen interest in social media for work and business purposes. I'm quite entrepreneurial, um, particularly because both my parents are self-employed. So I come from quite a, we love to make our own money. So it all sort of stems from that and helping people and just getting my voice out there, really. That's awesome. That's, uh, so so I'm, I'm just being, I'm just curious. I'm just being nosy. Um, you said you had a surgery in St. Louis. Was it both, was it, was it the SDR surgery, the selective dorsal? Yeah. Part? Yeah. 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 I just. I just had um, somebody on here like maybe like two episodes ago and then she talked about SDR. So then like St. Louis yeah, St. Louis is like the, like, Sorry, yeah. the only places St. Louis is like one of the only places that you can have it done. So so I kind of figured that that's what the surgery was. <laughs> yeah, no, um so I had that back like I said, back when I was thirteen. It's quite odd that um uh, Dr. Park, who developed the surgery, prefers to do it on candidates that are slightly younger, more sort of the age range between I sort of six. Dr. Park, Dr. Park uh, was her surgeon too. So. Yeah, um, he's a great guy. To be honest, I don't understand quite how he does as many surgeries as he does. Um, they have started branching out and there are a couple of um, places in the UK that do offer the surgery, but obviously it's quite a... Uh, intense procedure it's quite a delicate procedure so we went down well my parents went down the route of um they'd rather the person who created it and the specialist carried out the surgery because obviously when you're messing with the spine there's a lot of variables that can go wrong yeah so um so you would say you would say that would you say that it benefited you like because i know you're saying i know you were saying that you like as a teenager you uh, you had to, you had to, you had to find motivation to like work out and stuff. So would you say that it so would you say that it benefited you or would you avoid it till you were older? Um no um so ideally um I agree with Mr. Park in the way that I wish I had it younger because there is the other thing of 
you get less time to learn your bad habits. Like one of my bad habits was I used to um, drag my feet. Um, so all the toes in my shoes used to get worn out um, really quickly. I used to walk on my tippy toes um, and things like that. So I definitely wished that I had it earlier so that I wasn't able to sort of learn them habits and then have to sort of retrain myself to, um, uh, uh, to adapt to it. But it definitely helped me. One, obviously, it changed my mindset and my life massively in the way of I got into fitness, got into swimming, and here I am today. But it also, I never used to have to wiggle my toes. I, once I came back from the surgery, my um, teachers saw a massive jump in my um, sort of grades. And the reason for that they worked out was because where I wasn't, um, stiff and I wasn't always wobbling around I was able more more to sort of sit and focus on what the teacher was explaining and then obviously be able to put it into practice so it actually leaked into sort of my school life um, and then it's also given me a lot more freedom of movement with my finer manipulation so um, my CP doesn't necessarily affect my upper body as much but it, I definitely feel that it has some effects because I have um dislocated radial head so you can probably see there's a massive point at the end of my elbow um it's because i've got a fused elbow which means i can't fully extend and i can't um supinate my wrist so with sdr although it didn't fix that problem it definitely made um sort of things like catching writing eating things like that a lot easier because i had that little bit more movement so it's definitely had a huge impact on my life that's awesome yeah, I watched that. Uh, I watched that video of how you, of, of you, uh, YouTube video of how you uh, got dressed and stuff. And like you yeah. use your, you use your reacher for a lot. And so yeah, I, I can relate. I can relate. I think. I think. Yeah, I, it's... I think I actually. This is a. This is a. This is a funny um, little tidbit. I think I actually have the same reacher as you do because. I ordered it. I ordered it from the UK because I was trying to find it. It's a good job. Yeah, because I was trying to find a, a reacher that actually like grip stuff, and the, the one that came up was yeah. from UK. So that's funny. Yeah, I mean, I'm very. <laughs> that was really stupid. I'm really picky about what um, reachers or litter pickers I have because I tried out some a couple of other ones that <laughs> just weren't as good. So I'm like, no, I'm having the, ha- the handy ones, and that's it. No one else. But you'll find, particularly in my house, they're everywhere. So I've got two in the bathroom. Um, I've got one in my one in my gym bag, one in my swim bag. I've just got them dotted around the house randomly. Me too. Me too. Um, I use I use them. For, yeah, I use them for everything. Yeah, most uh, it's I probably use them too much. For things that I don't necessarily need them for, I'm just yeah. being lazy. Yeah, that's funny. Um, so getting uh, so getting into getting into your fitness, do you uh? Yep. Do you think? Do you um? Has there ever been like someone that's like doubted your capability because of because of your disability in the fitness? Mm, um. Not necessarily in the sort of gym world, um, more so in my swimming career. Um, I had coaches that used to say I'd never meet, reach 
national level that I was too old. Um, uh, and those sort of the main examples really, that was more sort of in my swimming career. In my gym career, because it's less so, it's less competitive. It's more you do it for your own enjoyment and your own improvement. Um, you, don't, you don't necessarily see it as much. Obviously, you are you do get some people that necessarily put bad comments on some of my um, um, Instagram content, but yeah, you're gonna get that even if you're able-bodied anyway. So it's not a major issue. And I, I must admit, I'm very. If someone says something like, "You can't do that." This is the worst thing you could say to me because you know I'm going to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, That's funny. So, so um, what are some of your other hobbies besides fitness? And you uh, so, That's a really good question. I'm a massive foodie. I love food. I love trying out different stuff. So I love to um, try out different restaurants, particularly if they've got like weird menus um one of the funniest ones i uh bring into a lot of conversations is for my 18th birthday um which i, I know that over in the us uh your 21 the big birthday but over in the uk the 18th the big one because you're able to legally drink um yeah. over in the uk at 18 um so we went to a restaurant in central london called the archipelago and they sell all like exotic foods so it's um so for example my starter was i mean i pretty well knew any vegans that are watching this i'm i'm sorry but uh you're not going to enjoy this next couple of minutes but um so there was zebra jerky for the starter which is nice to be fair a lot nicer than i thought it was gonna be um then for my main i had ostrich steak which i'd had before it's actually really nice if anyone wants Try it. It's quite a, like a sweet steak. But then the weird one that throws a lot of people off is my um, dessert was a chocolate-covered scorpion. <laughs> so you ate yeah. bug? Um, was it good? Yep. It, it tastes like a Kit Kat. I get Kit Kat. <laughs> it tasted, had the texture of a Kit Kat, which was strange. And then the other thing that we had was... Um, so we had a bug salad in the middle. That was strange. So there in that there was uh, toasted mealworms and like these little what, baby beetles. Again, again, it just tasted like nutty more than anything else. So it wasn't bad. And then you had my um, sister's boyfriend had uh, python, which that was different. It was like a cross between chicken and fish it's, a, it's, a, it's an odd combination and then um, my um, what am I saying my sister's boyfriend also had honeybee ice cream but I I must admit I don't agree with this uh, as much as anyone else but they had the actual like honeybee without the sting in the ice cream really? it was that's weird. strange really weird oh, that's weird. it was really weird but yeah so I'm a massive um, foodie I mean not all <laughs> Pretty not all the food I eat is that weird. That was just one day. Uh, I'm not that weird all the time. But another hobby of mine is probably traveling. I'm a big, um, I was very lucky as a kid. As I say, both my parents run their own businesses. So um, when I was a kid, I was lucky enough to do quite a lot of traveling. So I have got that travel itch. Um, I've 
been to places like India. I've been to um, so Jamaica, uh, no Antigua. Um, I've been to South Africa. So I've got that sort of travel bit in me. I love sort of exploring. Again, it links in with my food obsession because I go to different countries, mostly for the food. People go, are you going for the sun? No, I'm ginger. Why would I go for the sun? <laughs> so I go for the food. So that brings me into my next question. I was going to ask you, so how many times, how many times have you been to the, have you been to the States? Is it just that one time? Um, so stateside, uh, how many times have I been? Uh, I've only, fair, I've only been um, twice. So I went to St. Louis and stayed out there for five weeks. Um, obviously sort of living out there while I was getting treatment. And then back when I was six, I did the typical thing of Disneyland, Florida. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But, uh, uh, so I was going to ask you, um, how does, how does like, the, I'm, I'm just asking this, I'm a little bit ignorant in this topic, in this topic with other, with other countries. How does, how does the, how does the accessibility compare to, from like the United States to like the UK and other countries? How does it compare? Uh, to be honest, as much as I hate you to admit it, you wipe the floor with us a lot of the time. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's hard because obviously I live about 40 minutes outside of London. So a lot of where I live is, live is a lot more smaller towns, a lot more sort of fields. Um, whereas central London, where a lot of it's sort of old and that oldie worldy feel and a bit Harry Potter a lot of the buildings are listed buildings which means um, you can't um, necessarily adapt them or change them and because of this a lot of buildings within London you can't access particularly as a wheelchair user so it's a bit of a nightmare and our uh, train rail system is beyond messed up so I can only go from certain stations to certain other stations um, so it's always sort of a bit of a long-winded process. Um, so it's just a bit crazy. For example, my most local station is three minutes down the road, um, and it's one—it's a closer stop into London. But I have to go out further out to go to a station that I can get on at, to then travel back through, go past my station, and carry on to London. But then on the way back, because of the way the platforms are laid out, I can travel back to my um, most local station, but I can't travel from it. So that's an example of how messed up the uh, yeah the we, sort of luck. I know, I know the I know United I know the United States has some like issues with transportation, but that isn't it doesn't sound like anything like like London or you uh, or anything like that. Um, so Patty, so if, if you have to do all that, do you, do you, do you use public transportation to get to work to get to and from work um so to and from work obviously at the moment <laughs> no one travels to work here in the uk um but obviously normally um what i'd normally do is i have my own car um and travel to work in my car i uh, work about tw- 20 minutes um away from where i live now so we're very i'm very lucky in that respect um I'm not aware that you guys have a scheme like this. So over in the UK, um, we receive um, personal independence payment or disability living allowance. So that's a, a payment from the government to sort of help support uh, so it's, it's disabled like, individuals. It's like, it's like SSI, I think, 
Yeah, it's it's like SSI over here in the United States. Yeah. yeah. And then, so with that, um, linking in with the car, so with that, we're able to use a portion of that that then um, essentially pays for my insurance, my road cover, um, any sort of um, maintenance, along with a portion of the car. So say, for example, um, I'm a bit rusty on my uh, American car brand. So say, for example, if you're going for a smaller car, you'd probably be able to do the whole thing just on um, your um, allowance. Whereas yep. if you want a slightly bigger car, obviously being, being a wheelchair user, we have to normally get bigger cars. Um, then you obviously have to put a part payment in. And they'll also, they also include certain car adaptions. So things like hand controls, um, a pedal blocker, um, a steering wheel ball, and a indicator switch are all included. They're all they all come free, but then more advanced sort of really? um, adaptions are you have to pay for. That is not that's not, that's that's really cool because United States is not, it's not like that whatsoever. Like all that you have to pay for, and it's like ridiculous. It's like ridiculously like yeah. And I, I watch I watch some videos on uh, people in the UK and how they drive, and it seems like it seems like y'all your uh, like adaptive equipment is so much like it's so much it gives you so much more freedom. Like I've seen people yeah. like drive with like joysticks and things like that, and it does that's not so much that's not so prevalent in the United States, like, yeah. don't see that very often. So. See, it's a catch-22. So as much as I um, uh, I appreciate that in the UK, we're very lucky that we have schemes like the, NA, the National Health Service, which obviously means that we um, pay our taxes, which then means that we don't have to pay for things like healthcare and also basic equipment, such as your wheelchairs, your K-walkers and things like that. That is all funding funded through um, the NHS but the problem with that is you get less bespoke um, aid and I was actually on a um, call with another guy from Canada who wanted to talk to me about getting sort of um, bespoke assistive tech and how difficult it is and in the UK it's very hard to find sort of um, bespoke um, aid or let's I'll, I'll use this as an example so with the uh, NHS obviously where they are their funding to the masses you sort of get the option of one or two wheelchairs which won't necessarily be the most suitable for your lifestyle or your abilities so then it's harder to then try and find one that's sort of the perfect fit for you I'm still battling to try and find one that's perfect for me I'd love for my wheelchair to be slightly lighter but due to the limitations of the options available you aren't able to um so it's hard because i watch a lot of us and it seems that although you guys have to pay for it you are miles ahead of us in terms of what's available obviously yeah. i know that it's expensive and you have to buy it but when obviously it's that whole this that whole um golden pot of the rainbow you look at it and you go wow i'd love to have one of them but then obviously there's the whole cost involved and it's all of I say it's a catch twenty two. It's hard to sort of. I I'm in the middle because I'm very like 
yeah, I'm glad that I don't have to pay for all of this. But then it's like, oh, but having that availability would be amazing. Yeah. I don't know if I'm making sense. I don't know whether I sound yeah. really arrogant, but I don't mean it to be that way. If anybody, if anybody watches, if anybody watches your channel, so those what you're talking about, because I and this is not going to be, this is not going to be politically correct when it comes out of my mouth. So, so but <laughs> it, it seems like you're. I got see. I watch videos, and it seems like your wheelchair is kind of like the typical hospital wheelchair, and it's not like it's not like fitted. It's not fitted for you. It's just like a yeah. It's just like a free, like a free yeah. wheelchair. So that's, yeah, that's the issue. Like I, I appreciate obviously all of this tech that we can get for free. It's amazing, but it's just that sometimes you sit there and you think if I could get this one thing it'd be so much easier yeah um but it's not necessarily available or it's available in the UK it's just you have to hunt for it so if I went to the NHS okay where can I buy this or where can I buy a more advanced version of it I'd have to go from one person to the next person to the next person to the next one because they don't want to tell you yeah exactly and it's like uh, it's just so frustrating frustrating <laughs> So like you said, it's a catch-22. Like you're happy, you're happy. You're happy you get free medical equipment, but you have to, you kind of have to like advocate for the right, for the right equipment or they'll just give you whatever, whatever they have. Yeah. yeah. That's the other thing as well. So I was amazed because I actually got some um, aid out in um, the US that they said that I needed after SDR. And okay, so this will put it in perspective. So, for my wheelchair that was an off-the-shelf wheelchair that they just give to most people, how long do you reckon I waited for it? Um, well, in the in the U.S., like, you wait, you wait for, like, I would say six months to possibly a year for a chair. Okay, that's not as bad. So, it was 18 months in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the U.K. But then when I ordered my... But no, that's for that's for like a custom, that's for like a custom wheelchair. Wow. Like, like that's not that's not like an off the shelf chair. That's, that's for like a custom. yeah yeah yeah. So you're that's you're crazy. talking and then so you're talking about just, just you're talking about just like a regular wheelchair, right? Yeah yeah yeah. So I'm gonna take you and then. It, it took me 18 months to get hold of it, but then when I went out to the US and got my stuff from there, it took me two weeks. I was amazed. I was like, what? Yeah, that's like, yeah, there you go. I was like, how? <laughs> that's how long it takes for just a regular wheelchair, yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy. And it's just like, it more makes me laugh as well. So if I want to get something fixed, say, for example, um, I don't know, uh, I don't know what's a good example. Say the back snapped off or something like that. I'd phone up and say, like, this is broken. How long to get someone to come look at it? Um, and they go two weeks. And I'm like, so what am I going to do between those two weeks? Am I, do I just not go anywhere? Or what do you want me to do? Because I, exactly. I work. I can't. You can't live your life. And it's just, what? Yeah. Yeah. I'm very lucky. I mean, my... My dad's a builder by trade, so most of the time, if there's a problem, 
dad can fix it. But obviously, I am very lucky to be in that scenario because not a lot of people can be. Yeah. So. This uh, this this is a very this is not, this is more more of an informative episode. But we started it. We started it here at your YouTube channel, and we went into we went into like advocacy advocacy issues between yeah. like the U.S. and the U.K. So, do you have any advice for for others, like for like just advice in general, like advocating for yourself, standing up for yourself, anything in general? Um, my best advice for anyone that um, necessarily feels quite um, what's the right word um, nervous or is quite just a bit unsure. It's just be unapologetically yourself. I mean, like, I'm very lucky that um, my parents brought me up in a way that I'm treated no different from anyone else. So yeah. that's where my tongue-in-cheek sense of humour comes from. That's where I... Uh, you do get the funny looks and everything else, but that's where I get the capability to sort of brush it off. So just be yourself. And I think the biggest lesson, particularly I learned in school, is don't... Don't do what everyone else is doing because you'll find yourself somewhere where you don't necessarily fit. You're better off finding, particularly this goes more for sort of finding friendship groups. Find a group where you really fit, where you click and it works and you haven't got to be self-conscious if you need support with, I don't know, putting your shoes on or getting changed or getting in and out of cars or stuff like that. Don't, it's, it's sort of stay away from the popular thing is my advice particularly for those like in sort of school age or looking for a new friendship group find somewhere where you can really click and then just run with that and that way you've just got a group of friends for life as opposed to ones that you're not necessarily going to see in two years time I think that's the other thing with a lot of disabled people is we're very I mean this is only speaking from personal experience but we're very like um, once you sort of understand who we are and what we need support with, we'll open up a lot more. Um, I always used to use the analogy of like when I got into relationships, I need to train my girlfriend to deal with me before we even get to the good bit where we could start actually chatting about normal yeah. stuff. But it's all part of the process. I think just be yourself and and. Um, find a, a group or um, or somewhere where you really fit into the community and that's probably why I love um, the sort of disabled community particularly on Instagram and on YouTube because we're all just bouncing off of each other so yeah I think that's the big piece of advice and then just do what makes you happy I think that's why my biggest one is do what really makes you tick um, because you're only here once so do what really makes if if producing songs and stuff is your thing do that um just yeah do whatever makes you happy don't listen to anyone that's like you can't do that because you're disabled prove them wrong because you're probably gonna be better at it than they're ever gonna be so use that yeah, as i think that use that as motivation to prove them wrong yeah exactly use that as, as my mum always says you always seem to have a bit of a chip on your shoulder use that chip on your shoulder to your advantage yeah and push past people Exactly. So you mentioned social media and Instagram and things like that. So where where can people follow uh, Charlie in the not so politically correct uh, platform? So you can 
you can find me pretty much anywhere. Um, I haven't stepped into the realm of sort of podcasting and uh, interviewing, so uh, you pick me to the post there. But you can find me on Instagram at n n underscore p underscore q under there n underscore q underscore p underscore c. I never realised how difficult that is to say till I've just said it. So. uh Bear with me, and then I'm the same handle everywhere you look. Um, if you're looking for me on um, sort of the internet and can't find me, just type in my name. So that's Charlie C H A R L I E, and then R A N D E W L is the last name, um, and you'll be able to find me easily enough. Um, I'm on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, um, and also at n- www.nqpc.co.uk. Cool. I feel like that was really long-winded. It's, it's all good. I'll have all that in the, in the description, so if you want to follow Charlie. And thank you, Charlie, for being on for being on the episode of Spastic Chatter. You're you are my second international guest, and and ironically, they both you you have both been from the UK. So so props to the UK. <laughs> you need to. Canada guest on next. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But thank you for me. Thank you for doing this. And I really appreciate it. No and, worries. Yeah. And for those watching, if you want to be a guest on Spastic Chatter, just leave a comment or there's an email address in the description. And I'd love to have you on. Um, until, until then, uh, check back next week for another another episode of Spastic Chatter. Thanks. Bye.